You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. Hey, I am so excited about this podcast that I'm about to do, but my producer tells me I have to give you a warning. So this is the warning. Before we get started, I just want to let you know that if you're listening to this episode with your kids in the car or somewhere nearby, it may be best to save it for later because this episode is explicit. I think you'll enjoy the show. I certainly had fun doing it, but some of the content is explicit. Thanks. And now here's the show. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. When you go on stage, it's different than any other stand-up comedian I've ever seen. You're bringing the party to you on stage. You go on, and you're dancing, and the audience just loves you. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Because I love the audience. That's really key. Is that I, the key? I think you get what you give, you know? And people can feel that. They can pick up on it. It's all about confidence. You can sell any joke. like, And that's what the having fun thing is. When you're having a really good time with something, you're not scared. You're not nervous. You're not uh, worried about what people think of you. You're just enjoying yourself. But why do you think you needed... Five years to learn that. Like, why can't someone learn that immediately? 
Some people can learn it immediately. But on average, most people are being told, no, you can't do that. You're not good enough. What are you thinking? And then if there's nobody telling you that, you're probably telling it to yourself. You're probably destroying yourself with that negative talk. It takes time to change that thinking, change that internal dialogue. Mm. People treat you how you treat you. That's what I learned. I try to manifest, you know, what it is I want to be. Like before I get on stage, I see in my mind, I'm about to have fun. I know you're sleepy right now. You're about to spread just divineness. You got divine order all over you. Everything is happening in the order and the way that it's supposed to happen. You got this, girl. Pull that energy from your uterus. You got it. That's where your soul at. Pull it up from your soul. You got this, girl. Like I charge myself up. Ready? Mm-hmm. She ready. <laughs> she ready. I like that. So I am so excited. Tiffany Haddish, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, I don't even know where to start with the introductions, but uh, you like totally blew up in the past six months. I mean, you were big before. You've been doing comedy for 20 years, but just since this summer, you've done Girls Trip with Queen Latifah and Jada Pinkett Smith, and you were like the, the breakout star. It was, you really... I know it's a cliche to say you stole the scenes, but I watched the movie, you steal every scene. You're incredible. <laughs> I love you. when you like break the the bottle of champagne or whatever and are attacking the anyway. Yeah. We're not gonna give it any, anything away. Then you did uh She Ready, your your first uh, Showtime comedy special. Was that that was like your first hour special? That was my anyway. very first hour special. Cause yeah. she ready. Cause she ready. Yeah. And then um uh, you did the SNL monologue, and I and I also kind of hate saying this because it seems like just a weird, quote unquote, record. But you were the first female African American woman to do an SNL monologue, yes. which is a, an, a, I guess, an, an achievement. Yeah, and uh, uh, and you look like you're having a lot of fun. And then, but we're here also to talk about your your book just released, uh, the Last Black Unicorn. Yes, read the book, loved it. There's a lot of things I want to talk to you about. But do you mind first? I have a gift for you. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Uh oh. He's got a gift, ladies and gentlemen. It's a gift. <laughs> what is it? What is it? What right, is hold it? Hold on. Oh, it's in a bag. It's a suitcase. A suitcase? Yeah. Do you know why I'm giving you a suitcase? For the kids. For the kids. For the Felix organization. Oh wow! It's a nice suitcase. You can rip it apart later. Yeah. If, if I know you're busy, so if you want, I know you're busy, so if you want us to send oh, it to you. Oh, it's great. No, we can bring it to the club tonight. This is beautiful. Shoot, I might give my my old bag and take this bag. No, I'm just no it's, it's a great. nice suitcase. It's great. It's great for and a kid. And they assured me. So I'm yes. gonna, So if you want to describe why this is important, because a suitcase is an odd kind of gift. Well. A suitcase is very important, especially for a child who is uh, removed from their family, uh, because a lot of times when they take those kids from their homes, they get, they make them put all their clothes in trash bags, and you move to the new house, and then then they make you move from that house. It's sometimes you have to move from that location to the next location to the next location, and a lot of times they never give you a suitcase or a duffel bag or any kind of bag, and your stuff is just in trash bags, and then. How does that make you feel? Like garbage. Like it just being your garbage just being moved around from house to house. And um when I was 13, I said to myself, like, I will make sure if I ever get any kind of power, any kind of influence at all, I'm gonna try to figure out a way to make sure no kid feels like a piece of trash, like garbage. 
And the first thing that I could think of that would make me as a child feel different is if I had a suitcase where I didn't have to visually see all of my personal belongings being put in a trash bag. You know, um, just visually, like, you know, we have eyes and ears and mouth and all these things. We have all these senses and they all play a, they play a major part in your existence, I feel like, in <sighs> visually seeing all of your personal belongings, your toys, your stuffed animal, you know, your your clothes, your favorite jacket being put in a trash bag and thrown in the back of a car and then you're thrown in the back seat of the car and then they take you out and they take your trash bag out and they drop you off at somebody's house. It's just, you just trash. That's what it feel like. You just, and, it, and nobody wants you because you keep moving from this place to that place. So why not give a child a suitcase so they can feel like, more so they're on an adventure, that they're just a traveler as opposed to being garbage being passed around. Well, and um, I know you've been collecting suitcases for the the Felix organization, mm -hmm. which I guess then finds the kids to to hand them to. Mm -hmm. So um, so if anybody wants, anybody listening to this, we're going to get into the whole conversation, but anybody listening to this, look up the Felix organization. It's a great organization and donate a suitcase uh, to, to help people. And, uh, Tiffany, how old were you when you um, entered foster care? I was uh, 12, almost 13. And then... And then you were there until basically you were a legal adult. Basically. So um, uh, I want to kind of get into everything, but I'm, I'm also still want to stick to the foster care thing for a second. I imagine part of the defense mechanism of, of moving from house to house, you encountered a lot of bullying, particularly in the early years of your foster care. I imagine that um, having using comedy to kind of fight off the bullies. Yeah, comedy is the best shield. <laughs> it is a great defense mechanism. It's a great way to protect yourself. Um, and also, it's a great way to make turn a bully into a friend, you know, uh, turn them into your protector. Um, when you, It's funny how, like, uh, you know, I watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I, I, I give it all back to Charles Fleischer, Who <laughs> Framed Roger Rabbit. And when the detective says to the rabbit, why are these people doing these nice things for you? And the rabbit says, because I make them laugh, Eddie. If you, if you make people laugh, they'll do anything for you. And from my existence, I would have to say that's damn near true. You know, it's so funny. Like, I watch your stand-up. I've watched it in a variety of places. And then I watched uh, She Ready. When you go on stage... It's different than any other stand-up comedian I've ever seen. You're bringing the party to you on stage. You go on and you're dancing and the audience just loves you. Like I've never seen anything like it. And Because I love the audience. That's really key. Is that I, the key? Yeah, I think you get what you give, you know? And people can feel that. They can pick up on it. Like Richard Pryor taught me when I was in the comedy camp at the Laugh Factory. He said, people don't come to comedy shows because they want to hear about your problems or politics or religion or pop culture or about celebrities. They come to have fun. So when you're on stage, you need to be having fun. If you're having fun, they're having fun. If you're not having fun, they're looking at you like, what the hell did I spend all this money on this ticket for? So have fun. So, so, so let me ask you about that because... Obviously, then the spine of a stand-up act is you're talking about relationships or some comedians will talk about politics or some comedians will talk about other issues or whatever. So you still need some kind of like spine of 
comedy, but it's but like what he's suggesting is that the most important thing is you go on there and you invigorate the right. audience. Enjoy yourself. Like if you look at Richard Pryor's like comedy or whatever, like you can talk about anything when you're enjoying that conversation, right? Like you could I could sit here and talk to you about this blanket that's sitting over this table. And I could talk about every single thread in it and all that. And as long as it's entertaining to me, it'll be entertaining to you. You know what I'm saying? I could talk, you can talk about anything. So I can talk about being molested, you know what I'm saying? And and find the fun in that and find the joy in it. And like, I didn't know that was a bad thing. I had no clue that was a bad thing. And not till I was talking to my girlfriend and I was 19 and she we talking about like, we gonna buy us some breasts. And then she, and I was like, well, I don't wanna get no breast implants. She was like, well, just get somebody to suck on your titties every day. Well, I did that already. Oh, who you do that with? Um, shoot, my foster grandpa, grandpa did it when I was like 12, 13. Girl, you was molested. I was, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt or nothing. So then that's where that, there's a lesson in that too where you can say, okay, we have to start teaching our kids, even if it feel good, let me know. You know, it might be wrong. Well, you, you, it's funny because you have that, uh, you have that chapter in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about that. And it actually is funny in the book. You're talking about being <laughs> molested. You're not even on stage. I'm reading it in the book. And I hate to say it, I'm kind of laughing. Right. And now I'm just attracted to older dudes. <laughs> 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 My perception is kind of off, you, but whatever. You do mention that you went out with like a 60-year-old guy. So I get, And that must have been when you're much younger than you are now. Yeah. So I don't know. So yeah. maybe it's true. <laughs> maybe it is. Kind of program me a little bit. So it's like... Your experience, I feel like your experiences mold you into who you are and what you are and like, and, and you have to, and how you view those experiences. Like I could be really negative towards that. I could be like, oh my God, the old man fucked my titties. Oh God. Like, and I could be the most saddest, depressed person in the world, but I could also look at like this. I was so cute. I was so beautiful. When I thought I was ugly, I thought I was an ugly little girl. And here I know I'm a beautiful girl. I was so beautiful. This old man with no teeth wanted to suck my titties. You know, I had it popping. I was cute. You, <laughs> like, you, you're, you're, even in your stand-up, it's like so positive and so much energy. Like you talk about uh, in one of your stand-up, it was in She Ready, um, you talk about being divorced and I bet, or maybe it was the SNL monologue. I forget which one. You talk about being divorced mm-hmm. and you say, I bet some of you are surprised to hear that, but I'm a beautiful woman. Right. Why shouldn't I be yeah, divorced? No, I said, um, I said, when I get married again, and and yes, I've been married before and some, and people are shocked. People yeah. usually are like, you've been married? Like, yeah, I've been married. Why wouldn't I have been married? I'm a beautiful woman. Hello? I'm probably going to get married two or three more times. I'm yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Like, it's, I not really believe that's like how you how you believe in yourself, how you think about yourself. Because what, what you think about in here is what you're going to project out there, and that's what people are going to see and view and accept or reject. So, and that, and again, given your given your background, the foster care, the 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 problems with your mom, your stepdad, your real dad, all these all these different situations you were in, all these kind of horror stories that you were in. I think I think ninety percent of people don't come out of it so positive. Like, where do you think? What I, I even after reading the book, I still don't quite understand where the positivity, where the energy came from. Was it the fact that you found this passion so early, comedy, and were able to pursue it, and it gave you such joy, or or where do you think this energy came from? I think it came from. I think it, some of it comes from my grandma. Um, watching her deal with really hard situations, it always still she will always smile and laugh. You know, um, also, I think a lot of it came from, like, 
watching TV, which is like so stupid to say, but like That's watching- That's where all my energy comes from. <laughs> like, when my energy comes from my soul, like at the end of the day, the energy comes from my soul. My soul, this is who I am. This is, I'm, I'm an energy producer. I'm a, I'm a battery, you know? Um, and as long as I stay charged, I can charge up others. Okay, you know? how? I want to be a battery. <laughs> I believe you're a battery. All right. Just believe it. Just know that you, like, you are energy. You are- the business, you are the light. I, I'm when I step into a room, even if I'm tired, like I'm tired right now, I'm still lit up though. Like it doesn't. It's just who I am. I, I just I don't know where. To be honest, it's God. I guess. I I mean, I watch shows that make me laugh. I watch things that make me think. I I watch YouTube videos that talk about you know uh, positivity and creating and manifesting. And I've read books on it. Like. As soon as I learned how to read, man, it, that was that was pretty much it. Like, which, by the way, you didn't learn how to read till like ninth grade. Yeah, yeah, and and once I really learned how to like really read, like I could do like three letter words or whatever like that. But once I really learned how to read and comprehend what I was reading, that's kind of like that. I, this takeoff time, it's takeoff, and then who you surround yourself with. Like mm. I was around really negative people, and then I would be around some really positive people, and then I just gravitated more towards the positivity. Than the negative, so particularly probably once you start getting into comedy, not not every co- comedian, of course, is a positive person. There's no, many, most of them is negative yeah, as fuck. There's a lot of there's <laughs> a big most dark of them side. Are like miserable motherfuckers. But but you you you're able to like I don't know you 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 started off at uh, the La- Laugh Factory comedy camp where mm-hmm. you met uh, your your first experience with Richard Pryor, kind of mm-hmm. laying down the law of what was comedy, and and then you know. You say in the book that you took a break for like four years, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think you actually did. No, it, I didn't. I was doing bar mitzvahs. I, I was. And I you, was. Know, you know what it made me think of? It made me think of the Beatles, because I don't know if you know the story of the, the Beatles. Um, before they became the Beatles and super famous, people don't, most people don't know, they, they spent like four years in Germany just playing in strip clubs 20 hours a day. So they got like this experience of working together over and over, hour mm. after hour after hour, where nobody knew them. And... Then they came back and they became big. Mm-hmm. It strikes me. So you were like the energy booster at bar mitzvahs for right. four years. <laughs> I think that was a huge experience right. for you. I actually did it for 11 years total. 11 years total. <laughs> did you do my bar mitzvah? Did... <laughs> I don't know. I might have. <laughs> and so so it seems like that's crowd work. It is crowd work. It's crowd work. It's reading a room. I learned how to read rooms. I learned how I learned an audience. I learned, okay, these these people are very conservative. Oh, these people are very liberal. These people are in the middle. These like I can look at like a group of people and be like, okay, they'll laugh at this, they'll laugh at this, or they'll be upset with this and they'll be upset mm. with that. And, like, yeah, and it's very, con- not only it could be a conservative crowd, but they might judge you just because they might say, well, what's see, you that, doing and, that, and there's <laughs> the thing right there. You can't care about how people feel mm. about you. That's not, that's not your problem. That's their problem. Mm. That Judgment means nothing to me. Only time judgment means something to me is when I'm in court. Okay, and I really want the judge to be in my favor. I hope you're not but, in court too much. <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, damn. Once or twice. <laughs> a few times, but still. Uh, I think I don't care about how people, f- like judging me, I don't really care. Either you like me or you don't. Either you're with me or you're not. So so on stage, you go on stage, you're, 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 you're bringing the party with you, you're dancing, everybody's happy to see you, and then you start telling your stories and, and your, your comedy what do you when do you ever like feel that sense of panic when they start to get a little quieter when you thought they would laugh? Mm-mm. What do you what are you thinking then? What's going through your head? When when they're not laughing and I'm d- giving my all, I'm just like they're not ready. 
Mm. It don't have nothing to do with me. Because I know I do the same thing in another crowd and they're dying. Yeah. You know, it might not have nothing to do with me. The energy could be off, whatever. I don't, I don't get down on myself. Only time I get down on myself is when I forget to say some jokes, that some new stuff I wrote or things I wanted to try out and I didn't do it. Then I'll be like, man, I should have did this. I could have, I forgot to do the thing. But doesn't that happen? I'm moving on to the next thing. Doesn't that happen after every show a little bit or no? No. So usually you got it, you got it No, it doesn't happen. It, it, It happens probably, like I like to perform at least three to four times a week, minimal. Um... And probably two out of those three shows, I'll be like, oh, I forgot to say this. But still, it was a great show. You know, still, I did a good job. Like, I'm not, I I, I think people are getting their money's worth, if not more than what yeah. they paid, you know? So so you get on stage, and I, I've heard it described to me that, uh, I mean, there's several types of comedians, but let's say there's two main types. There's the the Seinfelds, which do like kind of the observational mm-hmm. stuff, and there are the Priors, where there's a lot of comedy comes from there personal experience you're definitely in the camp of the prior the richard mm-hmm. priors and how do you sometimes it's hard to take like a personal experience uh and throw kind of like a standard comedy punchline behind it like how do you how do you kind of take a story and make it ready for stand-up um well first you got to believe in it you got to feel like you re- first you, and you need to feel like you're ready to share it I have gone on stage and shared things when I wasn't really ready to and start crying in front of everybody, you know, like which what? was, and I'm not, see, I'm, I'm still not ready with it. So I'm not going to talk I, about I it, but I won't tell anyone. But like, oh no, I think I talked about it in the book when, um, I remember this, oh my God. So me and my mom got into a fight in the Walmart parking lot, right? And, um, I had a show like the na- that night. I had a show that night. My lip is busted. You know what I'm saying? My ribs is hurting. So not just and like a fight where you like argue with each no, other. No, it's like a, a physical fist fight. altercation. <laughs> it's a physical altercation in the Walmart parking lot and nobody stopped it. And my mom spit on a man with no legs and all this crazy shit happened. And I got on stage and my lip is busted. And I start talking about why my lip is busted because I don't want people to think, oh, she got beat up by some random person. No, I got beat up by my mama and I'm 24 years old. You know what I'm saying? So I'm talking about it. And as I'm talking about it, they start laughing. And it really made me mad. And I started crying. And I was like, what are y'all laughing for? And the more I started like yelling, the more they were laughing. And it really pissed me off. And I just start full on crying. And I just... I was like, I'm sorry, guys. I got to leave the stage because it's just, I can't handle it. But they were laughing, though. It's the way you tell it, the cadence, the rhythm of it, the, 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 it's, it's like music. You know, a story is like music. So it's a boom, 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 punch, dun, 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 punch. Like, what's the rhythm and the cadence of, of, like, what do you mean in your case is, is the, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question. What is the rhythm? Like, how do you, how did you cultivate that? They had just happened. I had just happened. It just happened. So I was just, the rhythm, I don't know what the rhythm was. One, two, three, one, two, three. Honesty, 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 honesty. Boom. The punch. The punch was like, and literally she punched me. And, and it seems like, it seems like part of the, maybe the reason you cried and they were laughing is because there was a deeper layer to that story, which they didn't... It's not just that your mom punched you, is that she had this accident which caused schizophrenia and, and all this damage to her and she'd spent, you know, time in the hospitals, what, mm-hmm. and you up in foster care, it's you guys reconnecting. So there's this deeper layer that you're feeling that they don't know. They have no idea. And so you kind of want so acknowledgement of that deeper layer. So they think it's just a hilarious... My mother-daughter fight when 
there's like it's way deeper than that. But you and then you have like later on in in the book, there's stories of uh, you with uh, uh, I think I think it was Titus. I forget which which boyfriend or husband. Uh, uh, you're telling something that happened in the morning. You're already tell, it's already in your act by the evening, and they're upset. Don't tell jokes about me. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'm always fascinated by that. Like, how do you convert it into you know humor that's stand up ready so quickly? You know, a personal experience. Like so many so many comedy writers out there, like they'll spend months like work crafting like a joke. But I think it's because I was taught that you know anything that makes you in your mind go <laughs> try it, mm. put it on stage, like. Whenever, like, I write every day for, like, 10 minutes. I'll write jokes or whatever. Or I'll do, like, a verbal record, voice recorded or whatever jokes. And not necessarily jokes. It might be just something funny that, just something I think is weird or funny or unusual that happened. Or something that I think normally doesn't happen to people. And I'll talk about it or write it. And then I have to get, my goal is to get that up on stage within the next week and a half. Mm. Within So, basically, I have... Nine days to get a setup, to get it up, to get that joke up, to see if it works, to see if it resonates with people. Because I really don't know what's going to resonate with you, but I need to try it and see if it does. Yeah, because I've heard, I mean, mm-hmm. I have I've friends who've seen you all over, and I've heard that you could do three nights in a row and almost, you'll have some of the same jokes, but almost like a different set each night. Every night. So, which is really impressive. Like people say, oh, this guy changes his act once a year. Sometimes you, and I think also you can say this about Dave Chappelle, you could change your, your, your set, uh, every night, every night. And that's, that's really difficult. Like most comedians don't, can't do that. But it's also like, I'm, when I'm on stage, I'm like, I'm reading the room. The audience is different every night, every show, like. I did two shows last night. The first show was completely different than the second show. And you know why? Because the audience was completely different than the first audience. What second was different audience. about them? Uh, the energy level was different. They were The second show, they were more drunk. They were more, you know, they had, they probably went out to eat before. Some people were more sleepy, but they were louder, you know. Than, and the first crowd, no, 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 I got that backwards. The first crowd was louder, right? But the second crowd was more like, Shouting out things, you know, had more things to say. But they, the first crowd laughed harder, you know. They, they were excited. You could tell they got their tickets as soon as they went on sale. They went and grabbed their tickets. The other, the other audience, they probably got their tickets as soon as it went on sale too. But they got drunk before they came, or they smoked weed, or they popped a pill or two. Or, you know, they was a little bit more intoxicated. So then I could get away with more with them. Oh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? You can get away. Yeah, people are drunk and shit. Yeah, but I feel like with the first crowd, you, you, you've. Because they're they're eager, ready. They got their their tickets fast. You've passed by far the likability part of the checklist of the evening. Yeah, but for that them. doesn't mean that you can just bullshit up there. Mm. You can't just be whatever. You have to come. You got to come with it. I mean, they spent money. Yeah. To have a good time and to hear what you have to say. And I mean, you can. I could just say whatever come in my head. I could just just blah, 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 just you know whatever. But then that's. Well, how does that benefit anybody? So, how did you change what you did per crowd? Uh, I changed the energy level. You know, the uh-huh. the base, <laughs> the energy level changes a little bit. Um, I might I, the first crowd. I talked a little faster. The jokes more punch, 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 punch. Like it, everything went a lot quicker. Like even though, and I did an hour on each show, but the 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 first show, I, I never paused. Really, I paused, but not really. I just held for laughter and then go. Held uh-huh. for laughter, go. 
maybe to do a 10 second, just stand there and look at them and they look at me, take it in. Go, go. The second show, they're more drunk. They're more like, I let them ask questions. More, I let them ask more questions. Like I what? Let them, like, well, one lady asked, um, what she asked me last night? Oh, uh, oh, what did it feel like to be the first African-American female stand-up comedian to host SNL? And I, was, and I just stood there and I just bowed. And then I curtsied. That's funny. It was an honor. I, yeah. felt, I felt honored. That's how I felt. And then I just kind of just stood there and let them cheer, yell, scream, holler, shout. But what's you know? funny about it is it's not like it's not like you being an academic giving an answer. You kind of gave an answer that they didn't expect. So you're surprising them. Yeah. Just by bowing is a surprise. It's an honor. Yeah. So so what else in the second crowd did you do differently? Um, what else did I do? Oh, I I talked to <laughs> What did I do different? I, I sang happy birthday to people. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I sang to them. And in the second show, I sang to people. And, uh... Or was uh, that the first show? Was that was it someone's birthday? They all kind of together right now. Wait, <laughs> wait, was that the first show, the second show? That was the... So, again, that's not part of your act, though, right? Uh-uh. So, it's just like it was someone's birthday. And you and I, I once um, had a guest on the show who... who uh, Nancy Cartwright, she plays the voice of Bart Simpson. And she had a great quote. She said, if you could surprise yourself, you're going to surprise everyone else. And so someone tells you it's their birthday and you just start singing happy birthday, which I guess is what happened, something mm-hmm. like that. You're probably surprising yourself and they're probably getting a huge kick out of it. Mm-hmm. They were enjoying it. I mean, everybody was singing. We are like, I started dancing. Lady jumped up. She was dancing. Like, it was a good time. So you've been on a lot of stuff in in the past years, like you're on the Carmichael show, you've been on other shows. What do you think is it about this year in particular, like literally 20 years after you start, after your your Laugh Factory comedy camp or even more than 20 Mm -hmm. years, what is it about this year that, boom, it's like you're like shot out of the gate. And you've been like a great comedian forever, but this year something happened. Well, I think it's just... I think it's just finally like my time. I think everybody has their time and you have to do the due diligence. And I've definitely been doing the work. And whenever I get the opportunity to do something, I just try to do my very, very best. You know, and I think that, you know, that Girls Trip movie was a big deal. I mean, I was in alignment with Jada Pinkett Smith, Regina Hall, Queen Latifah. I'm working with Will Packer, who's like the powerhouse producer. You know, it's just, it's, it's all about who you know, who you with, you know. But it's not like... Because um, I've done a lot of other movies too that were, you know, I was good in the movie, but that I was good. <laughs> like, so you're, you're leaving it at that. I'm leaving it at that. Yeah. There's a few of them, they at Walmart, but, but whatever. But it's not like... Walmart movies. It's not like a luck thing though, in the sense that you spent the years doing those other movies, building up kind of... The list of people you know, the list of people who think you're great. And- yeah, because it's about your relationships. It's about putting in the work. It's about having the know-how. And then there is a little bit of luck, too. It's like, okay, you got this this job now. Like, that's luck. To I, I don't know shit. I don't. Sometimes I don't believe in luck, but people be always telling me you so lucky, and I be thinking to myself, no, bitch, I I manifested this. I but did the create, work. You create your luck. If you, yeah. if you just sat around at home. Probably wouldn't be lucky. No, nothing would happen. So I do something every day towards my goals. Like I know what my goal is. I. I believe I know what my purpose here on earth and is and what and I'm sure that will evolve into something else too. Like, you know, all I wanted to do when I started doing stand up and doing TV is I just wanted my dad to see me and be proud. 
And That's all he, I'm on. Has he seen you do stand-up? And he saw me do stand-up. He saw me do plays. He saw me on TV. He saw me in a movie. And he told me he was proud of me. Um, I know you work really hard also. I mean, your 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 energy doesn't stop when when the stage is over. Like I uh, a friend of mine was um emceeing for you a few months ago. I guess you were at Levity Live and mm-hmm. West Nyack. A friend of mine was emceeing for you for for the three nights you were there, or the I, I think it was three nights. Yeah, and she's awesome too. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's really great. Uh Ashley Morris, I'll just say. Yes. And um she was telling me how you did the show, then like till one, two in the morning, you were, you know, posing for pictures and signing things and so on, particularly people who brought suitcases. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gave me the idea of getting the suitcase. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, uh, then you flew to Atlanta to shoot uh, a few hours of a movie with Kevin Hart. Then you flew back to do Levity Live that night and then start preparing your SNL monologue. Like you work really hard. That's yeah. hard to do to fly all around and then perform for hours and then work and on a monologue. And try to stay healthy. <laughs> yeah. And not cuss people out. <laughs> well, what's the healthy part? Tell me what you do for that. Uh, I take a lot of vitamins and every morning when I wake up for at least five to 10 minutes, I try to do something physical with my body. So like what? I turn, turn myself on. So like standing ab workouts, like lifting my knees up, running in place, or I'll plank or do squats or jumping jacks and some planks. You know, something to get my body like up, or I'll just turn on the music and just dance for five, ten minutes. You know, because um, I think it's important to warm up your instrument. You know, my my body is my instrument; it's my sh- machine. I gotta get it going, and um, then I make sure I try to I try to make sure I take at least two to three poops a day. I Very think important. that's really important. That's critical. I think that's super important. <laughs> what do you eat for that? Uh, well, I take a probiotic and I try to eat as many green vegetables, crispy, crunchy things as possible. You see that, Steve? Rich Roll said that too. So we had this uh, uh-huh. uh, super mega athlete say the exact same thing. Right. <laughs> so just the other day in this room. Uh-huh. So, so Sometimes, you know what's crazy is sometimes I'll get so like tired. I'll be so physically tired that I won't even eat like regular. I'll just have my people go get me or I'll go get it baby food. Yeah. I'll just eat baby food because I'm already, my body's so tired. I'm so mentally tired. I'll eat baby food because I know baby food got everything that I need in it. And my body don't have to work that hard to digest. Let's stop to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I know I used to do this for a long time is detach myself from what I was eating. Not realize that food actually is the fuel that makes you go. Right. You could and if you detach yourself from it, you feel like you could eat anything. It doesn't matter. But then that's how everybody gets physical problems yeah. and they get tired at night and, and you get the fat whole thing. and insomnia and all the other but shenanigans. <laughs> you know what's funny though? I started my garden like uh it's been almost a whole year now I've had my garden. And I've always liked to grow things. Like I'll grow stuff in my house, little pots and stuff. But now I got a backyard and everything and I said I'm gonna put I'm gonna put some vegetables back here and I'm going to eat my vegetables and when I'm here like I can't water in everything myself all the time because I'm on the go a lot so I have like my own little system and I have my brother come over and like pull the weeds but I tell my brother when you water in my plants smile you have to smile plants, you gotta there's smile. scientific evidence plants uh, respond to that yeah. plants will grow better 
if you smile at them and if you tell them you love them. Yeah. So I tell them I don't them know to why smile. that is. Because they can hear and it's through the water. Like water is super important. Like usually I have a big gallon thing of water and I'll write on there success and happiness and I'm proud of you and millionaire and joy. Like and I'll write and Tiffany, you're the best. Like so when I drink that, it's programming every cell in my body to believe that. Well, it it, it shows so much. Like um I mean, I've watched so many clips with you now. Like, uh, uh, I saw you on Good Morning America. You just go in there. You're dancing. You got. You did your what? Your energy boosting for for the panel. You got George Stephanopoulos dancing. Like, you really take charge in whatever stage you're on. And these are all professional professionals are taking charge of their stages. Yeah, did you see Michael Strahan on the floor? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he was hilarious. I mean, he was laughing hilariously. Like, you control the stage that you're on. And so whether it's stand-up or just going on, like, Trevor Noah's show, you know, Daily mm-hmm. Show, or going on Good Morning America, you control the stage that you're on. And I think that's critical to comedy. But, again, that's that's like a skill that's unrelated to the humor. It's like controlling the the... The audience, in some sense, not controlling is a bad word, but like you're bringing the party to you, right? That's like when I used to mascot. I mean, that's that's kind of where it started with me being able to move a crowd, MC. That's you know moving a crowd. So like when I would mascot, I was the only talking mascot in the valley. I had my megaphone, and I'd be like Elko, what? And then people be like Mino, El Camino, like, and I'm like, no, Elko, what? And they'd be yelling back, Mino, like whatever you give out, they're gonna give back. You know, cause and if you feeling good, if you're having fun, just like I was thought, if you're having fun, then everybody, everybody wants to have fun. Everybody wants to feel good. I mean, I, I, I really agree. But let's say you're tired right before you go on stage. How do you then boost yourself so that you're ready for the crowd? I just go. I say to myself. <laughs> and by the way, it seems like you do this in movies too. You control the movie. Like when I watch you in Girls Trip. I I don't know how much was riffed and improv, but it's like you are really controlling the scene when you're when you're out there. Well, you know, this is <laughs> I try to control all my environments. <laughs> well, maybe I'm because at. you felt so out of control as a kid to some yeah, extent. Yeah, maybe, but I'm, yeah, I'm but psychoanalyzing sure, you now. For sure. For sure. You know what? For sure I was definitely had no control and no power. And I definitely I try to control I don't try to... It's not control, though. Yeah, control is a bad word. It's not control. It's... it's. I try to manifest, you know, what it is I want to be, like, the environment that I want to be in. Like, before I get to somewhere, like, before I get on stage, I see in my mind, this is going to be... I'm, I'm about to have fun. I know you're sleepy right now. You, it's, you about to spread just divineness. You got divine order all over you. Everything is happening in the order and the way that it's supposed to happen. You got this, girl. Pull that energy from your uterus. You got it. That's where your soul at. Pull it up from your soul. You got this, girl. Like, I charge myself up. I'm going to I'm gonna say that. Yeah, pull it from your testicles, man. Pull, I'm going to say pull it from my uterus. I'm just going to try that. If it works for you, it might work for me. Right. I mean... Yeah, all men are kind of a birth defect. Let's let's keep it real. I mean, scientifically speaking, we all start out as females, and then a chromosome kicks in. I I never I never knew that. I never thought of it that way. That's why you got nipples, man. <laughs> and that's why a lot of men act like bitches. Uh, it's it's probably true. I'm gonna have to remember <laughs> that in all my future relationships to remember who the superior person in the relationship is. I try to do that anyway. Yeah, God felt bad for you. That's why he gave you muscles. That's why he made you strong physically. Not me, but... Yeah, you probably are strong physically. You probably have it in you. You probably... You, you look like you just... You delicate, but I'm pretty sure if you punch somebody, it's going to hurt. Maybe. I haven't, I haven't done that since I was in sixth grade, so... 
Okay. I'll, have to, I'll have to try it again at some point. <laughs> no, but you, oh, you probably could lift this table by yourself. So, so, so you, you, you know, I find it really interesting though when you're tired. I think a lot of comedians when they're about to go on stage, I see them like they're looking at their notebooks, they're looking at their phones. This is their set list. They're trying to remember everything. You, I think, what separates you out is because I haven't heard this described like this before. Is you go through a completely different routine. Like you're really thinking about what, how you can bring this energy from the inside to the outside, how you can best be of service to the audience. Yeah, because they, they came to have fun. But you're not worried about like remembering the the the, the bits, the jokes, and you riff a lot too. I yeah, mean, I, ri- I riff a lot, but I, I do want to remember like when I'm do- like when I shot my special, I wanted to remember every single thing and like I rehearsed it. Like I would be literally in my mirror in the bathroom just doing a full-on comedy set for myself. Just doing it for myself. Because I know it's going on camera. I know this is going to be forever. So I don't want to just go with the the flow. Even though I am going to go with the flow, but I want to program it in my in my mind that this is what's going to happen next and this is what's going to happen next and this and then this and then this and then this. And then once it's programmed in there, you know, I'll go on automatic and I might veer this way or veer that way, but I'm still going to be in my lane. I'm still going to stay on my journey. Right, like and get it, to my destination. It's like the uh, it's like the act again. It's like the spine, but then you bring yourself into it, and that could change each act depending on the audience, depending on whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's again, it's so because we shot. You know what's funny is we shot this special twice in one day. Right, in one day we shot two shows, two different audiences, and when I watched both of them, it's two different comedians. Mm. I was a different. Comedian, like it's still me, still the same material, but it was a different cadence in it, different way I said this, different rhythm on this one. Because as I'm going off my my mood, my flow, my energy, their energy, their flow, like it's weird. I don't even know how to. <laughs> no, but that, that's great though because again, I think I think most people think stand up comedy. Oh, I'm a funny person. I'll do stand up comedy. But the reality is there's other skills that are maybe even more important, like, you know, how you bond with the audience, how you do what you described in terms of like boosting your, your energy and boosting their energy. Like these are really important skills. And then the comedy, as long as you have it, the comedy kind of fills in the holes there, but the audience is yours. You're really taking care of the audience and use the comedy as a tool, one of the tools to do that. And yeah. it, it's interesting to me. But so you've been doing it over 20 years. How long before you feel like, okay, I've 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 found some of my voice. I'm I'm in a I've got that rhythm and cadence. Because uh, twenty years might be for building the career out of it, but where's the, when when do you feel like oh okay the skill is starting to happen? Like when I was like five years consistently doing it for five years consistently. Wow. So by the time I was like 26, 27, I felt like what was the difference? Mm. What was the difference between year one and year five? Well, year one. I was living in fear. I was very fearful, right? Of the audience? Of everything. Mm. And always trying to hide behind the... Like, always kind of hiding. Uh, by the time I was 26, I'm not scared no more. I ain't scared of the audience. I'm not afraid of myself. Whatever happens, happens. It's the way it's supposed to be. There's no... Only thing I would worry about is like, just make sure my heel don't break on stage. Which make you did sure once my- <laughs> in your book. Yes. Oh my God, that was the worst. But I still made it funny, you know, but it was, 
I was devastated. I was so embarrassed, you know. But like, just trying to. What was the question again? Wait. <laughs> Difference between one year, 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 year one, yeah, and one year, year five. one, year one, year one. I was very insecure, very scared, very just immature. Do you think you could have skipped that? Do you think there was any way to skip no. those five years? No. And you no. needed those five years on stage yeah. to prove to you that you could be fearless with the audience. Yeah. And that it was okay. Yeah. And then and then there's an aspect of that fearless, I'll call it commitment. Like when you're on Good Morning America, which obviously you're not doing a stand-up show, but there's a certain degree of commitment when you're dancing onto the panel on Good Morning America and then boom, you're dancing again, holding George Stephanopoulos by the tie. You have to commit to that strongly. Like you can't back off. No, you can't half-ass. You right. cannot half-ass it. And that was the thing. Like year one through five, I was definitely half-assing, like scared to fully go out and just do it, just go for it 110%. You know, I had this bit that if I did it now, it probably would demolish where I, I made this mixtape of songs. And I said, I want like when I was a kid, I really loved TV shows. I watched all the TV shows. And then I said, as I got older, you know, I really wanted to try and be a stripper. I really wanted to try that. But I can't really dance to nothing but TV show theme songs. And I and I would stand up there with this big jacket. I, I did this bit like six times and I was like, I never could do it again. And I stood on stage with this big old snow coat jacket, right? And then I tell I would tell the D, I would be like, what did I say? I would say to the audience, y'all wanna see? Y'all want to see how I would be if I was a stripper? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, DJ, kick that music. And then it'd be like, da -da 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 -da, we're going to do it. <laughs> it'd be like theme songs from TV shows, Three's Company, you know, Family Matters, uh, Wonder Woman. And as those songs, Wonder Woman, best TV theme song ever, but right, go ahead. Wonder Woman. <laughs> and so by the time it got to the Wonder Woman part, right? I done peeled completely out my jacket. I have on a Wonder Woman costume uh, underneath. I had a jogging suit on that it was tear away. So then I would tear that away and I have Wonder Woman costume on. I have two big grapefruits in my uh, Wonder Woman costume because I don't have no titties. And I'll be rolling, 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 right? And then um, the Green Acres song would play after that, yeah. right? And then I'll pull out the grapefruits and start peeling them and throwing the peels out like. And people would not laugh. They would just be looking at me because I wasn't fully committed to it, though, because uh. I was scared to like really just just really just dance like nobody's there. Really just believe that this is the dopest songs to dance because I felt like, oh, this is so stupid. And so they felt like it was so stupid. But I bet you, I, you know, I might have to bring that back. You should bring, I might that, have to bring back. that back. I might have to bring that back. I still got the costume and everything. I might have to bring that back. I'll bring that back. That sounds really funny. I would probably demolish. I still I'm got the CD. I'm going wherever you are <laughs> and I will watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I got the CD and everything. It would probably kill now. Because it's all about confidence. You can sell any joke. like, And that's what the having fun thing is. When you're having a really good time with something, you're not scared. You're not nervous. You're not uh, worried about what people think of you. You're just enjoying yourself. But why do you think, why do you, think you needed five years to learn that? Like, why can't someone learn that immediately? Some people can learn it immediately. Some people are like born confident. Some people, you know, have... Someone telling them every day, you can do it. I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. You can do anything you put your mind to. Somebody is being programmed that way on a daily basis. But on average, most people are being told, no, you can't do that. You're not good enough. What are you thinking? And then if if there's nobody telling you that, you're probably telling it to your, yourself. You're probably destroying yourself with that negative talk. So then it takes time to like change that, like change that thinking, change that 
that internal dialogue. Like, really, I had mm. to, once I started telling myself, Tiffany, I love you. Tiffany, I'm so proud of you. Like, once I start saying it to me, everything started changing, man. Mm. I, my, my comedy got stronger. My, you know, stage presence got stronger. My relationships with my friends got, like, everything changes. Like, people treat you how you treat you. When people start, that's what I learned. I treated myself real shitty in a lot of those relationships. And you know what? Them men treated me shitty. But now I treat myself super good, and when I when somebody's trying to be, they treat me real good. Now, and so so uh, again with the comedy, uh, it seems like that your ability to have that commitment and that confidence, that ability to think, okay, um, the party is with me, and everyone's going to join, either yeah. join my party or not. Like, yeah, because I'm good enough. Yeah, because that comes from that, and. Uh, uh, you're certainly good enough in the. I mean, you're good enough in every aspect. And then, do you think the joke writing changed over the years? Like your ability to write? Yeah, for sure, it evolves. I mean, anything that you do consistently will evolve and get better and better and better every every day. And uh, definitely, my joke writing has definitely evolved. So it's really coming from like a like. Let's say there's everybody's like an onion with like layers of truth. You're getting mm-hmm. to like deeper layers. Mm-hmm. You're talking from a deeper spot. Exactly, exactly. And it's through the experience that you kind of evolve to that. Right. So so listen, there's there's so first off, I want to recommend to everybody that they watch She Ready on Showtime because it's like one of the best stand-up specials ever. I think Thank you really you. come out there like in the sense that I don't know, the audience just I've never seen it like that before. The audience just loves you. Like you know, audience loves other comics. Like, hey, nice to see you. But like, the audience is like screaming when, and they'll do. You're in control right from the first moment. Well, that might have been also because they all got to come in for free. Oh, well, there <laughs> you go. Like, that's no. that's the answer then. And uh, <laughs> and then they should watch. They a girls trip is great. Um, uh, but also this this book, the last black unicorn, is is moving. It's funny. It's it's sad. I think you have a lot of great stuff about. Comedy too. So anybody interested in comedy, Shreed, I'm just gonna like read one quote, which I thought was great. Um, okay, hold on a second. I'm gonna find it. Uh, in you say in stand up, you need to be having fun up there, like Richard Pryor said. But you have to know yourself well too. You have to know when you make different faces or do different things. You get certain. You have to know when you do different fa- faces or do different things. You get certain reactions. You start learning, and it's like playing a piano. You just know exactly what keys to stroke because really with comedy, you're like fiddling with people's souls. You resonate on the same frequency as them, trying to get them to relate. And I think that's really a beautiful way to describe comedy. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tiffany, for coming on the the show. And if anyone wants to send, first off, if anyone likes this show, subscribe to the James Altucher Show podcast. I really appreciate it. But even more importantly, if anyone wants to send suitcases to kids in foster care, look up the Felix organization. Is that right? The Felix organization. Mm-hmm. You can easily find them online and just send them suitcases. So thank you. Thanks, Tiffany, once again. And The Last Black Unicorn, please read that book. This is a, a great book. Thanks. Thank you so much. Next time on The James Altucher Show. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to challenge each other to experiments. You, you've you thought of some. I didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured I'm going to use your genius. Oh, man, so. this is terrible. Terrible, but good.
Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.